is going to make a, he's going to bring a little bit more detailed view of his, his life and we're going to see how we can follow in his footsteps. Um, but this week I kind of want to take a step back and just explore Jesus as the restorer of our true identity. And he's someone who brings humanity back into our original intent. I'd just like to pray. Yeah, Father, I just ask that your spirits be with us right now. Lord, let our hearts be open and present to what you've got to say to us, Father. Lord, I ask you to just put power on this message. Lord, that it will just peace through your heart, Father. So today I want to look at three things that um, I can see that Jesus reveals to us about our true nature as, as humans, as um, images of God. Um, and these are the way that we rule and reign in God's kingdom. He comes to reveal that to us. He comes to reveal how we are image bearers of God, that we are to represent God on earth. And finally, how we should steward and live under God's blessing. Um, so first, I'd just like to read from Genesis. Um, this is the first glimpse we're going to see of our intent as humans. We are um, created by God for a purpose and for a function. Um, so I'd just like to read from Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, just like us, so they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry on the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. Um, so for me, there was three things there that really kind of stuck with me about our um, our intent as, as humans, what we are created for. And the first one is that we are created to rule and reign. And, and what that means is that we have a realm of influence. We each have our own kingdom. And using our gifts and our skills, we get to influence that realm. We get to influence that kingdom um, to the benefit of, of others around us. We get to steward that. And the second thing we see in there is that we are called, we are in the likeness of God. We are called image bearers of God. And that word um, image that is, is used there is the same word in the Hebrew for statue. And so when, when this was written in the, in the ancient Near East, um, kings or emperors would come to a foreign land and conquer it, and they would build these massive statues of themselves there as a massive display. And the reason for this was they would say, this is where I rule, this is where I command, this is where I govern. And so the Bible is using this language to talk about us. We are the reminder to the world and to others around us that we are God's image, we represent his nature and his character. The final thing we see is that it says the Lord blessed 
humankind. He blesses first humans. And he blesses them to be fruitful and to multiply. And that word blessing there suggests God's presence be with him. He is saying, my very presence, my very being is going to be with you. And I endorse what's going to go forward. I'm going to, you have fullness and goodness of life to come. There is abundance in me. And there's full access to his resources. Um, and as most of us know, reading through the Old Testament, um, this new humanity decides not to walk under this blessing. They decide that they can go our own way. We can choose to define good and evil for ourselves. And what happens is we are cut off from that, that blessing. The amazing thing about the Old Testament is that we just see story after story of God's commitment to restore that. That's his heart. His, his heart is to restore relationship again. And if we look at Genesis 12, for example, we see the call of Abraham. He calls his people, he calls Abraham and his family to leave their land and go. And he commissions Abraham um, that he will be a nation that will be blessed and, to, and he will bless other peoples. So he's a nation, he's been commissioned to rule and reign. He'll be blessed with the very presence of God and that blessing to be used for the people around him. It's the same call in Genesis to the original intent of mankind, it's the call for Abraham, it's the same call for the Israelites who are the descendants of Abraham again. He, he calls them again in the very same way. And so we see that God is just so passionately after us, to passionately after and restore a relationship. And we see in the prophet, we see in Ezekiel, he talks about how the desperation of this, he can't fathom how this relationship can be restored. Because humankind, we just so want to do our own thing. We want to go a separate way. And Ezekiel says, Lord, you need to change our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. We need to change. There needs to be a new reality. There needs to be a miracle. And this is the incredible claim of Jesus. Jesus comes and claims that the kingdom of God is here. That this restoration that we've been looking for, this uh, restoring of relationship with God has come. It's a place, again, where God and humans can interact and can partner and co-labor together. And so Jesus came to reveal several things, but three things I want to pick out is that he came to reveal how we rule and reign. He came to redefine that from Genesis. He came to show us how we're image bearers of God and how we live under God's blessing. So just that, that first one, to rule and reign, I just want to look at a passage in Mark 10. And this is Mark 10, 35 and onwards. So, in this verse we see Jesus is a fair way into his ministry. He has his 12 disciples. He has sent the 72 out. And there's a bit of momentum gathering. People are excited about him. There's a bit of a, bit of a buzz. Um, and the disciples suddenly realising this could be the guy. 
that overthrows this Roman occupation. He could be the guy that finally restores this kingdom to Jerusalem, to Judea. And so they're thinking, sweet, this guy is going to come in and he's going to just yeah, conquer these Romans and, and take them over. And so we see here James and John, they're vying for a position. They're wanting to get right up beside him and, and rule over these Romans. They want to crush them and then they want to rule over the land. And they're thinking, sweet, we're in first and, first and second in the, in the line to, to be rulers. And so here's what we read in uh, Mark 10, 35. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favour. What is your request? He asked. They replied, When you sit on your glorious throne, we, we want to sit in the place of honour next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. So when we hear that word, um, in glory, he's not talking about, they're not talking about heaven when they die, they don't have a concept of heaven when they die, they're talking about right now, they're expecting the rulership of Jesus right now, they want to be with him, um, leading that and ruling over that. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptised with the baptism of suffering I must be baptised with? Oh yes, they replied, we are able then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptised with my baptism of suffering, but I have no right to say who sits on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. But when the ten other disciples heard James and John, what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people. The officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. So what's Jesus has done there? He has just radically redefined what ruling and reigning in God's new kingdom is about. It's not about dominating other people. It's not about lording over other people, he says, to rule you must serve. To rule you must go low, you must be humble. And that's what he's called us into. He hasn't called us into a kingdom where it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, it's the first in, best dressed. He's called us to rule and reign in our influences, in our little kingdoms, by serving, by being humble, by laying down our lives for others, for caring for their needs of ours. So if we're using that definition of Genesis to rule and reign, which is to use our skills and our talents to steward what we have, that's what we have to look to do. We have to be servants and we can use our skills and our gifts and our talents to serve the others around us, our relationships, our community, our family, our work. So we can see that in God's kingdom, this new humanity is to rule and reign by serving. He's also called us to be image bearers of God. So I just want to look at a passage um, in Matthew 5 that talks a bit about this. So this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, this is the first 
first big public sermon that he's done. Thousands of people have come to listen to him. Um, and it's a sermon now. And so I'm going to start from first Thursday, chapter 5. And it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all those who see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So what's he saying about being images of God there? He is saying that we have the privilege of representing God's very nature, God's very character here. And that's why it's so important for us to understand God truly. To truly understand His nature because we have the privilege of representing that. Um, I've been reading John 8 a lot this week. Um, and it's a story of the woman who's been caught in adultery. And the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus and say, Rabbi, the law of Moses commands that we have to stone this woman because she's been sleeping around. And Jesus said, those who have not sinned can cast the first stone. And all their hearts were just convicted and they all left. And this beautiful, intimate moment of this woman and Jesus in him, he says, daughter, where are those people who condemned you? And she says, they're nowhere to be seen. And he says, neither do I condemn you. And that's his heart, that's his nature. He didn't come to, to judge or to dominate or to pick on our mistakes. He came to raise up. He says, I don't come to condemn you, I come to give you life and abundance. And so if we want to know the nature of God, we have to look at Jesus. Hebrew 1 says, he is the exact representation of the Father. He is someone that we can follow and we can be trustworthy in that he represents God well. And we can follow that. So we are called to be ambassadors from another place. We are called to bring heaven down in our actions and the way that we present God to other people, to others around us. See, that's the gospel, that's the good news. The good news is that he has come and we can partner with him. He did not come to judge, he's not an angry God, he's a loving and he's a merciful and he's a compassionate God. And we get to present that to the world, we get to be that to the world. And that's an amazing thing that we can be, we don't have to judge or we don't have to lord over, we can come and we can show grace and we can show love and we can show mercy. So in God's kingdom, this new humanity is to rule and reign by serving and to be true representations of the nature of God by showing our love and compassion. And finally, we are to be blessed by God, which is what we saw in Genesis, that blessing means to be a people whose his presence rests upon. 
to be a people who understand how to live life to the fullest, like partnering with them. They're so willing and he's so able to be lent upon. We can lean upon him and we can ask for his help and for his wisdom and for his guidance. So if we look a bit earlier in, in Matthew 5, we read the we can read the Beatitudes. And he said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who heart, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying God's blessing is available to all, despite your circumstances, despite how you feel. There's an open invitation to his goodness and his presence and his spirit. And we can access that place available to us. We're able to walk into his peace, his shalom peace, his goodness, his abundance. He is able to give us fullness of life. So we see in Genesis our original intent is to rule and reign, is to be image bearers of God and to be blessed by him, to be fruitful. And we see Jesus comes and redefines that for us again. We lost our way, but he came to redefine and says this is what it's meant to be like. We are meant to rule by serving, to lay down our lives for others. We're meant to represent him well. We're meant to know God's nature and God's character accurately that we can represent him to others. We're able, free and able to walk in his blessing. We're able to walk in his presence. And so I think that means for us we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to show to others around us what that's like. It doesn't, it's not anything extra, or it's not anything out of the ordinary, it's just learning to follow him. Well, it's learning to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus reveals all these things to us and it's as simple as saying, I choose to follow you. I choose to follow your example because you represent God and I want to represent God well as well. So it means in our relationships and our friendships, we don't have to fight to be right all the time. We don't have to dominate means that we're so willing to have a listening ear and an open heart. It means that we get to seek wisdom and guidance. We have someone else that we can lean upon in times of need. And it means we get the privilege of sharing with others the true nature of God. It's so easy in this world where there's so many images of, of who God is and his, his nature and so many distorted views. But we get to represent the true view of him. We get to represent the character of the Father as revealed by Jesus. And we get to share the good news that God wants to bless 
us, each and every one of us. He is so willing to bless. He is so willing to partner with us in our lives to increase our understanding of Him and to, in, to move into fullness and to move into abundance with Him. So we get to rule by serving. We get to represent His nature and we get to live under His blessing. That is what we are called to be as humans under Jesus' example. Which I just